gentlemen, listen up. Nah, 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 nah. Welcome to the Hospitality Cash Flow Podcast. Learn how to leverage multifamily and residential properties to provide short-term housing accommodations for high-paying clients. With years of experience in hospitality and sales and marketing, your host, Noble Crawford, invites you to listen in and access these gems as he shares the mic with some of the biggest influencers in the game. Rocking with the best. His expert panel of guests share their knowledge, best practices, strategies, and resources to help you generate crazy cash flow. Combining real estate and hospitality. So listen up. Here we go. Here we go. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Cashflow Podcast. I am your host, Noble Cropper, and today I have the great pleasure of introducing uh, a dear friend, uh, another operator in the space, a professional, another he- uh, coach and mentor, uh, my good friend, Kiara, with uh, Coach for the Host. Kiara, thank you. Thank you so much for joining thank us today. You. No, thank you for the lovely intro, too. I really appreciate it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, you know, uh, you and I have gone back for a ways. So, you know, I uh, I have enjoyed, like, getting to know you and, uh, and watching your growth in the short-term rental space. But for the listeners who may not be as familiar with you as I am, if you could tell them a little bit more about yourself and your background and kind of how you got into the space. Yeah, okay. So where do I start? So my name is Kira, and thank you so much for having me on. I you know, just love giving value wherever I can. Um, <clears throat> my name is Kiara. I'm known as the coach for the host on Instagram. Um, I've been coaching or I, I started, I guess, Airbnb in 2019, beginning of 2019. I started coaching at the end of 2020 um, before COVID, which was no, actually, I think we were dealing with COVID already. Maybe we were already, I don't know. But nonetheless, um, I just, I knew that there were a lot of things about Airbnb that I really understood really well. And I just kept going with it. So I got one unit, made a lot, decided not to pursue my degree in accounting anymore, quit the big four that I was working at or the big four accounting firm, and then continued on with Airbnb <laughs> and short time rentals. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, interesting because the number of people that I've met in a space mm-hmm. have a background in the county. Really? And yes. And so, and what's funny is they all say the same thing. I got so burnt out with accounting, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My children, you know, Mike, uh-huh. um, he has a background in accounting. Moran uh-huh. um, Gashu, she has a background in accounting. <laughs> um, it's, 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 and there's others, others too. And so, uh, so that's just interesting to me. Like, uh, you know, so you, you, you got your degree, you went to school, got your degree in, in accounting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then you went to work for mm-hmm. a large company. How long did you do that? So I interned with a big four. Okay. I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but when I was in college, I was in honors college and, um, I was in the business honors college as well. And there were only, I think 40 to 50 students out of like the whole 4,000 at the business college itself, or maybe more, but I was the only black person in that 40 to 50. So a lot of companies would, you know, at the end of the classes when they came to present, hey, we have a diversity program. Do you want to join? Um, so I did join one of the big four accounting firms, diversity programs. I worked with them for, or I interned with them for three summers total. And in the third, the first two summers were diversity internships. The third one was like an, a real audit internship. You you don't get to work with, you know, the people that look like us anymore. Um, you, you have to work with the real world. And that was my first taste of all oh, these people don't like me. Like they don't like mm-hmm. me. They don't. It was just a terrible experience. I've dealt with 
honestly some pretty racist encounters um mm. they treated the black female interns different than they treated the black male interns um and then they treated the black people in general different than they treated mm -hmm. everyone else and i bring that up because that was my main driver to not being in the industry then i worked for another big four firm and i made a lot but i made more with one one bedroom unit and it was so small and i was like well if i do this a few more times i'm cruising if i get a few more so for me it was like really just like the the reason I stepped out of it is because I, I knew that if I stayed, I would be treated like that forever. I talked to my superiors, the black women at the company, and there's only, you know, three or four. And I asked them, like, why didn't anyone tell me this is how the business is? And they all said the same thing. You just got to get through it and you just got to deal with it and stick with it and just do your own thing. If you if these things happen, whatever. But I was like, I'm not dealing with that. And that's how I ended up here. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's okay. an interesting experience. <laughs> that, well, you know I have not heard that her story before. I, yeah. I've heard your transition from accounting to uh -huh. <laughs> SDRs, but but not that story. So that's that's yeah. interesting. It's sad, mm -hmm. but it's interesting. But yeah. it's the reality, right? It's reality. And so um so I'm sure you are super happy you made the switch. Oh my God, so happy. <laughs> like sometimes I look back and I'm like, if I didn't make that switch, what like what would I have done? Like I don't think I would have survived it like honestly that just coming home crying every day um when i was an intern there were about 300 other interns but me and my friend were the only two black female interns um for the audit internship and i mean they treated us so bad we came home crying every day every day we would sit and be crying in a bit like okay let's you know let's drink some hot cocoa and you know and cry together it was it was bad it was it was terrible i hated wow. it wow yeah. So, so you go from, from toxic work culture to your first short-term rental. So how did that happen? You're working full-time yeah. in a place you mm -hmm. can't stand and you end up with this one bedroom mm -hmm. property that starts making you a bunch of money. How'd that happen? Um, well, I, back to accounting, um, when I did that audit internship, it was my last semester of college. So, you know, the January to May before you graduate in May. Um, and the internship is only so long. It's like January to March. Now in January to May, you still have to take classes. So I was taking all online classes. So what I did is my husband was in the military. I ended up moving to Virginia with him in March because I was like, I'm taking all online classes anyways, just to save us the money. Um, and in that time, I, I was so bored because I was used to like when I was in Houston, moving around, doing this and that. Um, and in Virginia, I didn't know anyone. So as I was on Instagram, um, one of my old mentors, she was doing Airbnb and she was posting her numbers. And I'm like, girl, you make a lot of money. Can you teach me? So I reached out to her. She told me about arbitrage, which I'm pretty sure your, your viewers probably know what that is by now. But um <clears throat> I think within two weeks, I found a unit, um, furnished it. They were okay with Airbnb and like the rest was history. And then actually when I did start hosting at that specific unit, um, I was interning at another big four and I was planning on starting with them full time. Like that was my plan. But in the last few weeks, it was kind of like a, it was like a, it was like a, it was like, all right, you got a bridge to get over. Are you going to stay at this accounting company and get rid of that Airbnb? Or are you going to do this Airbnb thing and, you know, kind of leave accounting behind? And it was one of the hardest decisions of my, of my life because um, it was my career that I had worked really hard toward. And I was like, man, well, we're going to make this work. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, makes, it makes a lot of money. It, it, it really does. Yep, absolutely. That's a great man. That's a great story. So uh, you, you, you face with this decision <laughs> that you got to make whether I'm going to jump into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. right, uh, which could be scary. 
Yeah. Um, or I would go down the traditional path, right. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. good paying nine to five type mm-hmm. stuff. And so f- for that first unit that you got, at what point did you have that light bulb moment where, Oh my gosh, I need mm-hmm. to do this over and over and over. And then what, what type of profit were you, were you making on that one? Yeah. So I'm gonna start with the profit question first. So <clears throat> profit wise, we were making, I would say an extra two to 3000 a month after the bills are paid. Mm. And uh, because at the time I was bored, so I learned how to coupon from a friend. Um, she was also a military wife and I coupon for a lot of the toiletries and the stuff that adds up when you start hosting. So our expenses were low. But when I was in a, like at the internship, there was a joke in accounting and any accountant, anyone who's worked at a CPA firm, they know the joke. It, it goes like this. If you're an intern, you make more than the full-time employees because we get to charge overtime. And I was making a lot of money with overtime, but I was making more money with Airbnb with one unit. And I'm like, okay, well, let me put two and two together. I'm better off, you know, using my time to scale up this business than to <clears throat> stay at this firm. Um, you know, possibly move to another firm in the future. There's no promises. Like there are no promises with accounting, both entrepreneurship. I feel like you create your own, you create your own promises. You do your own thing. So dang, that's how I'm here. <laughs> love it. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so then fast forward, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you got your first couple units up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point did you say, okay, I, I'm going to start growing this. You start scaling it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how did you transition from scaling your own business to, um, to working with other people to, to get started and scale theirs? Yeah. So, um, my husband, so, okay, back up. Remember I said I graduated in May as I graduated in May, I was still interning and I was still doing the Airbnb. My internship was over in August. Now I was in a year long, uh, lease, 12 month lease. The, the lease started in May slash June and COVID was the next year. My husband ended up having to go on deployment in November of the same year. And also, um, our apartment complex got new management New management did not want us doing Airbnb. Literally one day we walked in and it was a completely new set of faces. Um, Our old previous management, they were so cool with Airbnb though. We never thought this would happen. So November, December, I ended up having to move out to Airbnb. And since my husband was going on deployment, I couldn't, like my hands were a little tied. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anyone. So what happened was from November to, he was only supposed to be gone till February, but February, February, March was when COVID came. Then after that, he, he didn't come home till July, August. So mm-hmm. I couldn't really do anything while he was gone. And then he got out in November the next year, <laughs> but I promise it's going to, it's going to come all together. So when he got out, we moved back to Texas. And the first thing we said was, okay, now that you're not in the military, we can get units. We don't have to worry about moving or this or that, or the unexpected things that can happen. Let's build up again. So we moved back in Houston in November In December, we got all of our stuff together. We got our car, the, the tour, we started Toro. And then January, we got our first unit all over again. We got back in Houston. Um, and then, cause I started in Virginia with Airbnb. So the month, um, the month after we got started, we got like seven or eight more units. So we had a bad experience with that landlord. We ended up ending the lease and we got like seven or eight more units. Then we got like four more in the, in the same period of time. And then they just mm. start coming, 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 coming. And then this was what, 2021. And then now here we are today, December, 2022 and almost 2023 and just, yeah, I guess that's how we transition into it. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because as you were telling the story, uh-huh. I remember we connected 
either during your transition to Houston or shortly uh, after yeah, yeah. you hit transition to Houston. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we, we had a couple of phone calls. I remember I had some questions for you. You had some right? for me. I remember that and, call. Yeah. I remember where I was at. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so yeah, I remember that. So, so then you're, you're in Houston, you start scaling, right? Um, obviously, you know, um, the, the, the cash flow is good, yeah. you know, when yeah, you start yeah, to scale yeah. and stuff like that. So y'all made the full-time commitment. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're diving head first. So at what point did you decide, hey, I'm going to start helping other people oh, in this space? Oh, you didn't ask me that. <laughs> you did ask me that. I'm sorry I didn't answer that part of the question. Um, good question. So it's funny. My husband didn't want me to do this full time. He was like, girl, like, we, you should probably get some jobs. Like, I don't know about this <laughs> entrepreneurship thing. So the, the, the plan was, um, and I don't think I've ever said this publicly either, too, My husband was supposed to be in the military for five years and I would be going to school. Then after I got out of school, he would go to school and I'd be working full time to take care of us how he did when he was in the military. So it was coming toward the end of him being in the military and having to go back to school. And I was like, I do not want to work. I got to figure this out. Um, And I just remember hearing, I think from like Danielle Leslie or something. She was like, if you know something whatever you know could be someone else's like saving blueprint or like their guide to life that could literally save them. So that's when I was like, okay, I feel like me, everything I learned on Airbnb, um, I figured out kind of on my own in a way. And I was like, well, I could probably teach other people how to do the little stuff, like how I got five stars and how I ended up on the first page within the first month, how I got super host within a couple of weeks, like all the little things. And I was like, well, okay, let me try to teach people. And I found a coach who could help me position myself because I was in accounting. I didn't know how to market. Like that wasn't my thing. I did accounting intentionally so I didn't have to market and do sales. Um, So she helps me position myself so that I can help people versus going out and spewing information. It was more like, okay, this is how you help people. This is how you make sure they get value. This is what this is. And um, from there, I never stopped. So that was like September, October, of the same year that we moved back to, to Texas. We hadn't moved back just yet, but I knew that when we moved back to Texas, it was either entrepreneurship or I gotta go back to accounting and I didn't wanna do the latter. So I started coaching. It was so, it's, it's so fun too. <laughs> I love it. Nice, nice. So, man, this is good. So, so, so you get into, you get this realization, hey, I'm not going back to work. <laughs> in these circumstances, yeah. I better make this work. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, how does it, like, what did it look like when you landed your first student? And like, what, um, like, what kind of like marketing or how did you mm-hmm. get yourself out there to the public for, for that first few students to, you know, reach out to you? Yeah. So, <clears throat> Oh my God, my journey. I never talked about this either. This is so fun. I When I started off with zero followers, um, one thing our coach told us to do is like follow people in your niche or follow people who are doing the same thing that you're doing. And I learned that a lot of people um, had Instagram accounts for their Airbnbs. So I followed a lot of them. A lot of them followed me back instantly by seeing my name, Coach for the Host. And um, I was posting like a little, you know, tips here and there, and they, they were finding them helpful. But that's not what blew up my page. What blew up my page was Clubhouse. Clubhouse really was like the the stepping stone for me because I was able to get into rooms and and spread my knowledge on like a bigger base. Um, but when I did get my first student, 
it was before Clubhouse. Actually, my first student is the reason I was on Clubhouse. She's the person who referred me over. But, well, first real student. I had other students, too, that were, like, at, like, the free stuff. But for her, we did, like, a, I think, a 90-minute intensive. And um, that's basically where you do, like, a 90-minute call. And I taught her everything I knew. And she got a unit. And she got a couple more. And she kept building up. And I was like, okay, this works. Like, I can teach other people how to do it. Um that was my biggest fear. It was like, what if I'm not able to like help people get the same results as me? And you learn very quickly that as long as you lay everything out, everything, you'll be fine. People will get the same results as you. Nice. Love it. Love it. And so, so, so coach for the host was born. Mm -hmm. And so then you started training others on how they can get started in the business, mm -hmm. how they can scale mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and then you said the catalyst for you was clubhouse, which, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I would, I would have to agree with you on that. That was, <laughs> that, that's been a major like game changer for a lot of, a lot of us in the space. And so, mm -hmm. so, um, after you got started coaching, um, it, it, did you know immediately like, Hey, I want to scale this thing. Um, <laughs> did you, uh, you know, did you have a plan in place for how you wanted to grow it or mm -hmm. was it just, you know, I, I'll, I'll take all comers or, or, or whoever reaches out to me. You know, even till this day, I have to say you're right. It's more of, I don't, I feel like it's a hobby now or not a hobby. Let me not say that. It's more what I meant by saying hobby is like, it's just something I do. It's not like, like, I don't have another choice. Like I just know for sure that this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, I don't have the choice to stop coaching. Like, that's just how I feel. Um, and it, I, I feel like I've always felt that way. Like, Kira, like, you were given knowledge. Give your knowledge out. Don't be selfish. And that's kind of why I still coach to this day because I can't just stop posting. There are people depending on me, depending on, you know, my my knowledge and the changes of the market and this, this, and that so that they don't fail. Um mm. It's funny. I didn't start off teaching people how to start Airbnb. I just taught them how to stay booked because I was really good at that. I was even known for that on Clubhouse. Like I was known for like picking apart people's listings by just looking at it because um, that, that was my thing. But what happened was, and I, I, you probably remember this moment, a lot of people were getting evicted at the same time. And I was like, well, why the heck y'all getting, do y'all not know to make sure your, your landlords know you're doing Airbnb? Um, and that's when I said, okay, let me, I, I don't want to teach people how to start. Cause I know there's like a mindset thing you have to get by, but, um, I ended up just, you know, saying, all right, let me throw in the towel. I feel like God's calling me to, to teach other people how to get started so they don't get evicted. And we don't have this eviction crisis in the black community or in the black and brown community, the BIPOC community. And Yeah. Sorry, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. So you you so you led by like providing value, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. just kept providing value for people. Um, and then you and I remember what you were talking about because I remember that that time frame where mm -hmm. you know it was become more common that yeah. people got in the wrong way and mm -hmm. were getting these evictions. Okay. And, uh, and and when you kind of started teaching on that, and so as you've uh, kind of over the you know over over time as you've developed your your coaching mm -hmm. and you're now you're really known in the industry right mm -hmm. um and the coach for host brand is is I, I would say probably one of the bigger brands um, in this <laughs> right um and so uh i don't know if you keep count or anything but like mm -hmm. do you know how many students you've coached up to this point uh since you started i have coached over 1800 that i can wow. count but i know there's more because um I only count my like 
students on like my Kajabi platform. If you don't know what Kajabi is, anyone watching, it's like a, just think of it where people keep their courses and you just log on to like their little portal so you can have your course. Those are just the students on Kajabi, but I've had other platforms. I just count that one because that's where I see people like log on and do the stuff and yeah, I can like see their progress, but I know it's like more for sure. <laughs> wow. That yeah. is, uh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, so well, first of all, and congratulations on that. That's Thanks. a big number. That's helping a lot of a lot of people. So yeah, that's yeah. that's significant. So 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 you've been doing it for a while now. Mm -hmm. And um but now I have some selfish questions, right? Because because I also coach and quite frankly, um a big part of the reason why I started coaching, you had to do a lot with that. Yeah. I remember having conversations with you early on when I was saying, um, because you're already doing it. And I was saying, Kier, people keep asking me the same questions. They keep asking me if yeah. I have a, a product or a course or something mm -hmm. or another. And you were like, what are you waiting on? <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, we need you. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, so yeah, that was a big catalyst in me kind of getting started and, and, and putting something out there. And so, so now you've, uh, you know, you've helped all of these students, you had success with these students. Um, but for what, so let me ask, I'm gonna have a, several questions for you, but <laughs> the first one, right. Is, um, for other mentors and coaches, um, in, in the STR space, or even, you know, if they just want to be mentors and coaches in general, mm -hmm. um, like what's one high level piece of advice that you would offer to someone who's looking to kind of get into that space and get started? Mm. <sighs> There's so many, but I guess, oh, by the way, really quick, before I answer that, I just want to say, I hope you realize how valuable you are to our community, because when I tell you government contracts is just not something most of us want to learn, but the, like, you break it down so easily for students. Like, we really do appreciate you for that. But for the question, um, God, I was going to answer the question. Oh, highest level of advice that I could give people is learn the phases of a launch. Because the big brands like Coca-Cola, Disney, Netflix, Amazon, they all launch. You just don't know they're launching. Um, and it's a very complex it's not complex. Basically, a launch is when you prep people to purchase your product. So you go from like the warm-up phase, which is where you're just kind of showing your audience that you are the expert in your field. Then the pre-launch phase, which is where you are, you're more specific. So if you have something that you know you want to sell, you're more specific on those kind of tips. And then the launch phase is when you actually launch the product and you open the door for sales. And then post-launch is when you're like trying to evaluate how it went. You want to evaluate it and test, you know, just look at how everything went to get honest feedback. But that is probably the biggest piece of advice is because I even see big brands in the like STR space who have like like software companies and stuff and they just post reviews 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 but reviews won't get you anywhere if you don't know how to launch it you have to prep your audience and take them through a process before they buy from you mm. Mm -hmm. that's genius okay so we're about to unpack that <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> so um okay because you just rattled off like four phases <laughs> right so so let's let's break it down so phase one mm -hmm. so what like the the first thing out of the gate so let's take me for example mm -hmm. let's just say well, let's not just say because this yeah. is something i was intending to do anyway right yeah. i'm gonna be doing like a, a rebrand mm -hmm. of sorts of my hospitality cash flow right Yay! in 2023 okay, okay. starting in 2023 so it's coming up right so for 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 someone like myself like what's primary thing I should concentrate on for phase one, 
of that mm. of that launch of that rebrand. You actually have to go backwards. You have to All go right, backwards. Let's do it. Let's go yeah. Back. And and the reason being, you it'll it'll make sense in a second. But when you start with your Technically, the post-launch, you don't have to plan out. You just know that you're going to like evaluate. But with the, the launch, you have to figure out what is the product you want to sell. Product or service, or it could even be free, no matter what it is. You, it, By the way, you need to launch everything, every single thing, free, paid, everything. Don't think you can just throw a free product out there and people will download it. You need to launch it anyways. When you're in that pre-launch phase, once you figure out the product, then once you have like the the outline of like, where you're going to teach and, and the different weeks or the different topics, then you take the best topic out of the, what you plan on launching, what you want people to pay for. And then in the pre-launch phase, you give like you, you go into detail on that one thing or just like different little pieces from it so that they can say, okay, this is really good. I think I definitely need to p purchase like whatever they have. But at, when you're in a pre-launch or sorry, yeah, when you're in a pre-launch telling all those little tips based on your, your, your product that you're selling for your warm-up phase, when you go backwards, you just want to show that you're an expert in that generalized field. So for example, for you, if you want to launch a government contracts course for short-term rental hosts, for example, then for your pre-launch, you need to make sure that you're showing that you are the expert in government contracts. Like you have done it all, you have the proof, you know the stuff, give the little tips. And then in the like the pre-launch, what you should do is take all like take the, the best piece that you can take from your your launch, the product, and say, okay, if you want a government contract with this specific company or with or no, actually that's a bad example. Well it's it's an example. You, you test, 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 but let me think of something like I'm trying to think, what is something you could like go on and on? And, oh, let's say that you give them a blueprint and it's like step one, step two, step three, step four. In your pre-launch on your Instagram and your, your socials, you post just the four steps. And you say, if you want to learn more in detail about those four steps, join the thing that you're selling because you'll be explaining them deeper depth or deeper depth. I guess like you'll be explaining them deeper. But the point is you can't, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's phases to it. And if you mess it up, it can go wrong. So it's very important to get like the phases right. So you can always make sure that you're like, you know, step by step by step and making sure you're you're nurturing your audience and making sure they understand you and they trust you and all that. That was really long winded, but let me know if that answers your question. No, that was that was great. That's excellent, okay. actually. So um and so are are so during this whole pre-launch phase mm -hmm. and everything, mm -hmm. are you um like dripping this content out? You know, um, are you just you know, letting everything kind of go all at once across every mm -hmm. platform mm -hmm. or is there a certain length of time that needs to happen during the pre-launch? Like, is that a month process? Is yes. it two months? Like, like, Oh what my is that gosh. Like? No, that's such a good question. Um, your warm-up phase depends on how well your audience knows you. For me, when I first started, my warm-up phase was six weeks to just show people I'm the expert in Airbnb. Um, but if you know that the people following you, they want, like, they eventually want to buy something, warm-up can be two to three weeks. And then your pre-launch phase should be three to four weeks or two to four weeks. Um, but you don't want it to be too long because as you're pre-launching, people are going to want to buy something. They're going to like, this information is too good. I need something. And then the actual launch should be about, like, one to two weeks and again you don't want it to be too long if the longer you give people to to wait they will wait to the very end um and then the post-launch 
that's kind of like maybe a you know just a couple days or a week or two but um you can launch multiple things at the same time you just have to know like which calendar you're on um just so the people who are looking for that specific content can come and say okay he keeps talking about um hospital contracts i need to make sure to, to go look for that one thing or that pe that piece of that whatever free thing you might have for that or he keeps talking about this but they'll they'll look for it, got it, got it. Okay. that's like all over the place yeah no no i like it i like it so yeah. let me ask you this um how important is it to have um a, a free offer a low ticket item and a high ticket item would you should you have all three like what does that look like <sighs> That's such a controversial question in this community <laughs> of coaching because there are so many opinions on this. Um, I don't know. Do you know Alex Hormozzi? No, I, I don't. He, oh, you should definitely look up Alex Hormozzi. He is growing. He's pretty big now. He's been on Tom Bilyeu's podcast. He's been on, like, I think Joe Rogan. He's been on a lot of people's podcasts. But his belief is that you should only have one thing. Um, you shouldn't be focusing on different types of offers. But you have the Russell Brunsons who believe that, yeah, you should probably have the free to lead into the, the paid. What I have learned is that you want both. For me, in my opinion, I think both help because you can have the free so that people can see what type of value you give so that they can get into the paid. Now, let me say this. The only thing I don't like about the coaching community and like coaches in general is how they'll do a free webinar. They don't give a lot of value and then they want you to buy their course. And that's what a lot of people teach. I actually don't teach that way. And I think that's the reason why I am still in coaching and I'm really very I guess successful in it because if I do anything free, I'm putting my all. I take that, like if there's steps one, two, three, and four in my main offer, I'll take the best piece of step three. Like if there's three topics under that, I'm going to take the best thing and I'm going to expand the heck out of it and put that in a freebie so people can be like, damn, what's in the course? And that's kind of, yeah, that that's what I recommend to do is like just for your freebie, make sure it is like packed with value. Whether it's Got an ebook it. or a webinar, um, I just did a webinar. Um, it was ownership after arbitrage, so I was showing people how do you, what's that in between? How do I know when it's safe to go to ownership? Like, how do I calculate? How how do I know how many months are left? Um, and with that, I had so many people interested in working with me further off of this free. Well, some people paid five dollars, and then some people upsell into like a workbook. But um, and that was like another thirty dollars. There's so many different ways to do this, but. Um, well, I guess I'll give out numbers. I ended up making on that. It was a Black Friday last minute offer. I put it together, I think the day before Black Friday. I want to say I made like $4,000 on this free thing. And um, biggest lesson, just give people what they want and give them a lot of value. Mm, yeah. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, man, this is good. I'm going to keep going if you don't mind. <laughs> keep going. I got time. <laughs> so so um, the actual like, coursework material and stuff itself like the training product right mm -hmm. are you putting that together first before your pre-launch are you putting it together during your pre-launch mm -hmm. or do you have it fully baked and then you're launching or mm -hmm. like what timing wise what does that look like um so what has what has worked for me every coach is different again that's another controversial question in the coaching community but what has worked for me is i will well when I first started coaching, I had like a brain dump of everything I knew, every single thing. I had some music on for two hours and wrote out everything. And then once I was like tired of brain dumping, I went back to the brain dump. I reorganized it into like, okay, what do people need to know first? What do we need to, 
what do people need to know last? And then I just expanded on everything. So what I did is that helped me with my content, but I didn't have it completely organized before I started the pre-launch. I just knew the topics that I would talk about. Um, so that's kind of what works for me is just knowing what's in it, knowing the content in it, because even though it's written, if you want to do a video course, like a pre-recorded course, at least you know what's going to be in it. So you know how to sell it, if that makes sense. I was going to say something important off of that, but I don't remember. But the, the point is that as long as you have a brain dump, then you know everything you can teach and you you have went back to that brain dump 10 million times and tried to add to it, you'll be fine. And got so my it, course is like, my course now is like 30 hours long, 40 hours, probably more with the extra work you have to do. But that's just from brain dumping over and over and over again and adding to it. Got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then like for, for your, for your program, um, is it, you know, people take it and they go from A to Z and then they're mm -hmm. done or is it based on like three months or six months? Like what does that look like? It depends. So that's a, that's another thing where it's like, well, to answer your question, I have self-paced courses and then I have like live courses. Um, the self-paced courses are like you said, the A to Z here, you get the information, you go and do it. If you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can upgrade and we can like work on this together. Um, and then the live courses, it's more like group coaching. Um, and it's kind of the same as the pre-recorded, but the the reason people like live better is because they can ask you questions. They're more active. They don't, they're more accountable to it. Um, and then, yeah, so there's that, there's that. There's a one-on-one -on -one coaching, which by the way, I recommend if you want to be a coach, if you're listening, you need to start off with one-on-one -on -one coaching. Do your brain dump and launch a one-on-one -on -one offer. Don't start off with like a, a course. Don't ever <laughs> my personal opinion so yeah yeah no i a hey, that's how i started when i after i yeah. spoke with you i started with one-on-ones mm -hmm. and uh before mm -hmm. i went to the group group coaching yeah and uh so so i was able to extract a lot of uh useful um you know useful mm -hmm. information uh mm -hmm. from the clients during those one-on-ones and mm -hmm. stuff that i needed to put into the group uh or course or stuff that i need to leave out right so that yeah. was extremely valuable so I'm yeah, telling I, you, that's the key. It's like start off with one on one. Then once you're done, you know, 10 to 20 people work with 10 to 20 people, then you can move on to group coaching. Once you move on to group group coaching, then you can do the, the course, the self-paced course. Then after that, you can do whatever you want. But I think that is the perfect, you know, you, you learn the most that way. I, I tell people, if you go the other way around and you try to make a course first, you're not going to sell anything. You might, you might get lucky, but you're not going to know, you're not going to get real time feedback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So yeah. um, let me see how much time. Okay. We're running on top. So, uh, <laughs> so you, you mentioned, we're going to highlight these other ones, but you mentioned, okay. So pre-launch was phase one and what mm -hmm. or was the first phase? What was the second phase? So first phase is warm up. Warm up, okay. Mm -hmm. Then second phase is pre-launch. Okay, and then and what's then the one launch? After? Launch. Okay, and then post-launch. The launch, the launch. That's key. So, yeah. um, so for folks that are, you know, coming towards that stage or at mm -hmm. the launch stage, mm -hmm. uh, what has that looked like for you in terms of like boom, putting the product out there? Um, launch is probably the the part I hate. Cause I hate selling, um, which is why I think it helps that I have a social media manager because like, I hate, like I hate sell, I hate selling to people, but, um, 
the launch is really the part where you're supposed to remind people like, hey, if you loved that, I got something better for you. That's the part where you're motivating people like, look, you got this. Um, you know, if you're doubting yourself, let me know. We can talk about it. But you really want to this is this is why I don't like it. It's just because sometimes you don't want to feel like you're trying to like sell someone. You want to feel like, okay, if you if this is truly meant for you, let me know. I trust me it will help you. Um and I think that's where you get like the controversial coaches where they like, you know, have a, a webinar about nothing and try to sell you at the end. It's just because it's like, okay, where's the meat? But yeah, the launch is really when you're, it sells. That's like heavy sales. Like you're in it, heavy sales. Every day you're mentioning your offer a couple of times on stories, on posts, everywhere. If you're using Instagram, of course. Um, and yeah, you're just letting people know your offer, which is very scary. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, um, and then how long does the launch last? Is it a week, couple weeks, um, a month? What I've had launches that last like three days and I've had launches that last two weeks, but I say the sweet spot is like 10 days. Okay. Mm -hmm. So doors open, do a pre-sale. You can do, a, I think pre-sales are amazing, but you can do a pre-sale for like 48 hours. And then once the pre-sale is over, people know that they have until this date of that day to purchase. And every single offer I've ever done since I've started coaching, people buy the most at the beginning and at the end. And I think a lot of people get discouraged in the middle and they're like, no one's buying. I'm like, trust me, no one's going to buy until the doors close. And um, that's when the most sales come in is, yeah, when the doors close. Uh, okay mm -hmm. okay and then so so post launch is that just when you're you you're the the program ends mm -hmm. and you're doing follow-up stuff or like what is that exactly yeah that's really looking at your your kpis looking at all right did i reach my goals um how many people reached out to me what went well which posts did the best which ones had the most engagement you're really just looking at everything and saying okay what can i do again and test and what can I scrap? What kind of posts can I scrap completely? Because they just didn't do well at all. Um, but when I say do well, I mean, you have to know your goal for that post. So for example, if you have a post that like where the call to action is like, all right, make sure you comment your friend below or something like that. And that was like a sales post. If you see that no one commented their friends below, you might need to change the copy or the, the the post. You have to change something in that. But you have to have a specific thing that you're looking at for each sales post. Well, actually, each post from the warm-up phase all the way to the launch. Every post needs to have a goal. And you need to know how you're measuring it. Got it. Got mm -hmm. it. Man, this is this is good stuff. So, hey, hey. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I know that, um, you know, because I have a mixed audience. So, I you mm -hmm. know. I have obviously hosts hosts on here, right? some seasoned experienced hosts mm. that uh, likely have an interest into, you know, turning that into coaching. And so, yeah. I, you know, I, I can think of a few that have already. And so um, so they'll find as much value in this yeah. as, as I have. Um, so let me ask you this before we wrap up. Mm -hmm. What is the what is the future for Kiera look like? Oh, like, gosh. where do where do you want to go as far as like your STR business? Where do you want to go as far as the coaching business? Like, what does the future look like for you? Ah, okay. <laughs> the, the, the good question. Um, what does the future look like? Well, I'm not going to lie. When I was trying to buy houses and stuff um, as an entrepreneur, it was very hard. Um, and I wanted to go back to a W-2 so bad. But I would say for me, my main thing is becoming what I call the the perfect buyer for lenders because um, that's been my biggest challenge. So my focus for the future is like perfecting my buyer profile so that 
I don't have to deal with three months of trying to get a loan. That sh it shouldn't take that long. Or um, dealing with just being an entrepreneur and getting loans to buy houses. Um, that and then for culture the host, I think the future. Well, first, I think tomorrow will be published in like the Gazette or Gazelle, whatever it is, and um, for like the trademark office. So we're going to be trademarked finally after a year of trying to get trademarked. And um, the the future for that is building a. Well, now I have the for the host academy and building out the academy um, to the point where we have guest instructors like you. We had you on, which I was really excited about. But also, like, I, I just want to grow big enough to the point where someone might come to me and be like, "Hey, I want to buy it." I'm not saying I would sell it, but I want to get to the point where a company comes to me and they're like, "Okay, this content is too good. We need to buy. We just want to buy your your your." academy so we can just have it that's where i want to get to if i'm going to do that i don't know but that's where i want to be uh, i love it i love yeah. it so uh, uh big lofty goals i love it so yeah <laughs> um so so for let me ask you this so for people who may want to get in contact with you um that have an interest in your existing programs right mm -hmm. or have uh, or somebody like myself, you know, who is a coach or mentor or what have you, and, you know, they want to get in contact with you. Maybe they're interested in your services as mm -hmm. far as like the whole uh, launch, launch thing and launching a product yeah. or service. Yeah. Um, what's the best way for them to connect with you about either one of those? Um, I would say the best way right now is probably just Instagram messages. <laughs> um, I, one thing I made very clear when I first started coaching is I don't want to turn to one of those coaches that doesn't respond to anyone at all. I really try to respond to everyone. I think that's what probably sets me apart and keeps me going. But I would say Instagram messages, you can email the team or me, well, me and the team at support at for the host.com. Um, but usually I try to respond to all DMs if I can. At least to say hi. Like, I, I see your message. I'll answer in a second. I at least try. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What, well, folks, we will definitely uh, put all of uh, Kiara's content information mm -hmm. in the show notes uh, this, so you guys can, can reach out to her. Uh, Kiara, mm -hmm. wow. I appreciate you so much for, uh, for tapping here with us today. Uh, you, you've taken us on this journey that yeah. I'm going to go back and listen to it myself <laughs> probably two yeah. or three times. Uh, yeah. But congratulations for all your success yeah. uh not only in the str business but on the coaching side mm -hmm. um and 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 then getting into the uh the acquisition stuff mm -hmm. so uh we look forward to definitely having you back for a future episode but but again thank thanks so much for coming thank you all right folks well there you have it another successful episode of the hospitality cash flow podcast i'm your host noble crawford and we will see you on the next one